0: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker,
1: you'll find what you came for here and more.
0: So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. And I'm Mel so a topic that comes up frequently in our post-college 20s and 30s when we're freshly moved out of our parents homes is about the roof over our heads Where do we live? Are we renting? Are we thinking about buying? What are we looking for in a house? What does your dream house look like? These are questions we've had to think about ever since entering our adult years.
1: Yes, we are all in pretty different places in our lives, uh, with me owning my first condo and having lived here for about four years, Mel having just upgraded to an apartment with her own room and bathroom and washer and dryer unit right outside
2: her door. <laughs> yes, I went from sharing a room with a roommate to getting my own room and sharing a bathroom to now having my own bedroom and bathroom. <laughs> yep. and Helen just becoming a
1: new homeowner of an actual home oh up in the goodness. suburbs.
0: Yes, where we're recording from today. I learned a lot of things along the way of home buying, which I'll share later on in this podcast. But you know what? Let's talk about when we first moved out of our parents' homes. I'm curious, when was that? I actually don't know. When was that for the both of you, and what did your first place look like? Did you have any roommates? Do you remember how much you paid for rent, what location it was in, and just overall, like, what was that experience like? Wow. This takes me back. Um, This is over a decade ago for
1: me. (laughs) For me, I moved into my first like official like adult home when I got my first job out of college in San Jose, California at Deloitte so at this time san jose usually was known for being mostly like families Mm -hmm. uh the office was located in downtown so there was a small downtown setting but for the most part it was pretty dead and i went out there with like didn't really know anyone didn't really know anything i remember moving up there my parents helped me and my uncle came along to kind of help move everything in and i rented just like a small studio space um, that was close to the office so i could walk to work at the time, I think it was like 500 square foot, and I probably paid like 1650 mm. But also keep in mind that this was like 2008, so that was really expensive for the time. Yeah. And I remember feeling like, oh, I shouldn't you know, pay this much. And my mom's like, I'd rather you be safe, located mm-hmm. close to work, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I only signed a six-month lease because I went there wanting to live in San Francisco, but I was like, let me check out San Jose first. Mm, that's smart. Obviously, San Jose was not popping. So So six months later, I made my way up in SF. This is the second place that I rented and where I spent the next like four years of my life. Mm. And honestly, this tiny 290 square foot apartment where my bathroom took up half the space and I only had a mini fridge. Like literally, this was a tiny, like I lived in a bedroom, essentially. Whoa. Whoa. and I lived there for four years and some of the best memories of my young adult years were in that apartment, That's tiny studio unit. Mm. So that place was actually built mostly for like, um, probably people who were working and only living there a couple days a week. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really meant to be like long-term living, yeah. but I was like, look, I prioritize, I would rather be in a good location in SF and I wanted it to be brand new. Um, I didn't care that it was tiny. So it was, it was brand new. And it was located in a pretty good spot in, like, Soma. Um, and I had a beautiful view of San Francisco City. But I lived in a tiny 290-square-foot space. Oh, my God. And I had a, still a, my twin bed from college was what I what I slept in for four years on a, like, makeshift IKEA mattress. Um, yeah, and I paid $12.50. At the time, in San Francisco and Soma, that was, like, unheard of. By the time yeah. I moved out four years later, I think the rent had, like, doubled or tripled. Um, but like I said, some of my fondest memories were there. Um, I had a friend, Kristen, who ended up renting, uh, right downstairs from me. So we Aww. both had our, it was almost like living in a home where you both have your rooms and we would just come together. That's fun. Um, and in this tiny bedroom is also because it was like, you know, young adult living there and I was in San Francisco. I had a lot of visitors through the years. So I would have friends that would come and bring their sleeping bags and I would be able to, to, to. Cram like four visitors in my tiny oh apartment. My like, what, That's
0: dude? what I was gonna ask you. Did anyone ever visit? visit? You? Did yeah. you ever bring yeah. home any boys? Like... I mean,
1: the guy. Could, you know, my bed was twin, but we could. You know, That's but <laughs> so <bad about> our <laughs> home. but visitors when friends came, they would just bring their sleeping bags, and it was literally like imagine two hundred ninety square square feet, where the bathroom is half the space. So like in a small like a hundred. You know, square foot. It was my bed, and then people's like sleeping bags in the walkway, and Whoa. that was like literally at nighttime. The whole entire apartment was just to sleep in. So that's like a hotel room. That's yeah. Usually oh, it was tinier a hotel than rooms. a hotel room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was it was tiny. And my parents, I still remember, even came to visit, and they had sleeping bags. This is when they were younger, so they yeah. could you know. But they they slept on my floor, and um, yeah, and that apartment is where also I quit my first job at Deloitte and went through my quarter life crisis, and mm. I have all these memories of sitting in that space. And you know, like watching videos, doing research, journaling, going through my like internal, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, this was also where I was going through the like finding myself. Phase. So I had cut my hair in that bathroom how many times myself. <laughs> I had played with makeup, tried to figure out my wardrobe and just really a lot of personal transformation mm. happened in that space for me. Um so yeah, that is a, my my habit is in, in living in tiny spaces and those were where I spent my formative years.
2: Wow. wow. Did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know how small the space was. Yeah. Yeah. So now you know the place I'm living in is actually the biggest place yeah. I've lived in oh. ever. <laughs> and it's, it's tiny. It's funny because like now I kind of have context as to like, I think Jana might share more about this later, but Helen and I went to her other apartment in the arts district like years later and we're like, oh, it's really small. Yeah. But I think it's because if you're used to even a smaller mm-hmm. space, that space must
0: be bigger mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: If I ever meet, Helen and I watched her, like, oh, everyone just sat on the floor holding their pizza slices or yeah. in their bedroom slash living room slash
0: kitchen. yeah kitchen. Yes. Tiny space. That's yeah. my jam. Minimalist living. Yeah. Yes, yes. Very Janet. How about you, Miss Mel Mel?
2: I also have two places in mind. My first time moving out of my parents' house was when I was 20, my third year of college. Because I was a transfer student so um, I transferred into UCSD when I was 20 as a third year and I was really nervous but overall really excited to have a place where I can decorate like I remember looking up ideas on Pinterest how to dress up my dorm going shopping for my sheets and my even going to Crate and Barrel to find a specific laundry bag I wanted that was pretty I don't know these little things mm-hmm. and I print out photos to like of my friends to put them on the wall and honestly like I did a lot of research and I think being a transfer student specifically at UCSD, you're really lucky because our dorms were incredibly beautiful and new. So UCSD was known to have, they like created a good experience for transfer students specific, specifically. Mm-hmm. And my dorm was on the 13th floor with the balcony ocean view sunset.
0: Wow. So Dang. I
2: remember being in that room, we're like, how are we paying? How's our dorm? This is what people pay for to live in San Diego, like yeah. for a higher cost. I don't remember how much it was. I just think i i want to say it was like the same cost as everyone else living on campus like living in revel i know your dorms were in the nicest the cement walls of like jail. <laughs> and I, you visited that's where phil used to live the yeah. revel um, mm-hmm. housing so the fact that i think we paid the same amount for that quality was really cool um i would say that um yeah it was just like a really perfect ex- perfect experience but my second place that i like officially moved out as an adult was when i was 24 after my Wong Fu internship I was actually um, living in Irvine with my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. commuting to um, to this area to work for Oh one my crew. God, that is a drive. I know. in <laughs> traffic too. I think when you're young, you're like, you could do it, right? Yeah, but yeah then, it energy. Yeah, but after my internship ended I was trying to figure out what to do. I wanted to stay in LA, so I actually moved into San Gabriel Valley, mm-hmm. and I was also, again, nervous. This is my first time using Craigslist to find a place, mm. and it was my first time not living with someone I knew or was a mutual friend of someone. So I found these t- a couple on Craigslist that was renting out a room in San Gabriel Valley and they were like a gay couple, super friendly. And the townhouse was like pretty nicely furnished. Um, but I spent most of my time in the bedroom. But what I do remember was that rent was freaking So good. It was like $575 for a bedroom with a walk-in closet, a mattress included, Uh and including all utilities. Wow.
0: I did not know you lived in San Gabriel Valley. How long did you live there for?
2: I lived there for um, maybe, I want to say like three three to six, maybe three months. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was really brief, but I just didn't want to move back home to the bay area quite yet Mm, yeah um but was that that the length of your internship so my internship ended probably like august july and i was there to the end of the year so i was there for six months Mm. and i was trying to figure out like you know what to do next so the experience during the san gabriel valley place was kind of similar to janet when she like left deloitte that was a time where i feel like I was really isolated from everyone like mm-hmm. my friends back home and like away from the Wang Fu team where I felt like I, I got to see them every day so I was trying to find my place again and I remember actually crying a lot in that bedroom Aww. feeling alone yeah. missing my yeah. friends from back home and I would actually some weekends I would drive back home because I just felt like I didn't have anyone yeah, yeah. there was a time where I remember it's like one of my, my gray dark dark time when I learned how to rely on myself like uh, I journaled a lot. Yeah, I would just say that period, it was a time where I gained a lot of self-care tools. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was my San Gabriel Valley experience. I didn't really hang out with my roommates, to be honest. I just felt like we were really polite with each other. But then I would see them in the kitchen and mm. I just kind of like eat by myself, cook, and then I'll go back to my bedroom mm. and just figure out my life. Um, but yeah, that was my first experience, I
0: guess, as an adult mm. in my 20s wow. living. Wow, both of your experiences are very, very unique And Mm -hmm. also just like smaller places, you know, when you first move out of, out of home and it's like, yeah, something that's affordable Mm -hmm. and that gives you a new experience in a new city too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How about you, Helen? So for me, I actually lived at home for three years after graduating from undergrad. And I made that choice because even though I was interviewing in New York and I really wanted to move to California as well, Mm. I found a good job in Boston. So I decided to stay home, save money on rent, on food and all of my living expenses, thank you mom, uh, for cooking for me like all the time. But to be honest, I I felt like because I had sort of made that quote unquote like sacrifice to Mm. live at home instead of rushing to get out of the house for the, this, you know, obviously like after undergrad, you have this excitement of becoming Mm. an adult, Mm -hmm. right? So I, I knew I was missing out on that. But in hindsight, I did save a lot of money because I was living at home. And because of that, when I eventually moved out of Boston, And to LA, I was able to comfortably pay for my own rent, my own car leases, and didn't have to ask my parents for money. So for anyone out there that's listening and feels like they're stuck at home, just know that you're saving money doing that, and you can become independent later on. But in any case, I moved out to LA in 2013, and the first place I lived in was Little Tokyo. And it was honestly one of the best roommate experiences and just locations that I've lived at because... In that location, everything is walkable. You can walk to the Mm -hmm. Arts District. There's a lot of things in Little Tokyo. And it just felt like the difference between what everyone says about LA, like you have to have a car to get anywhere Mm -hmm. versus in Little Tokyo. I felt like I had access to restaurants and grocery stores and bars and things like that. Um, But I found my roommate, Evelyn, by Mm -hmm. posting on Facebook and asking if anyone knew anyone moving to LA, and if they were looking for roommates. And luckily, one of my friends, Mike, mentioned he went to school with this girl named Evelyn from New York, and she was moving like a week after my arrival date. So it was perfect timing, and I was there first, so I did all of the legwork looking for places to rent, and then I would like send her messages of what these places look like, and we ended up settling on um, this two-bed, two-bath place in Little Tokyo. And I still remember like the first time I met her, she was so cute. She was waiting for me outside of this ramen shop and she was just swinging her legs like, like oh hello and she was so she was just like so 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 sweet um, and honestly such an incredible roommate she was there for me through all my boy drama she, mm. which y'all know about I think Um, listen to the episode me and (laughs) Philip. Oh, Okay. She taught me about like different luxurious skincare products because she really took care of her skin and had all of like the really nice high-end products that I would never buy other than like samples from Sephora. Mm -hmm. But I was able to try all her stuff. She was an amazing cook and super clean too, which Mm -hmm. I definitely appreciated after having many more roommates after her. Um, But she also introduced me to a lot of her friends in LA and that made me feel very welcome because I know when people move here, it is difficult to meet people that you might feel like you can relate to or mm. feel like you can belong into the group right away. I will oh, yeah. definitely say that because a lot of my other friends that have moved here have felt that it was difficult to find their friend mm. groups. Mm. So she introduced me to a lot of her friends, made me feel very welcome. We took like trips throughout like Arts District, and her friend would tell us, like, oh, here's like the restaurant, like, the history behind the Arts District and all this stuff. And we got tours all around L.A., and it was super nice. But yes, that was my first living experience in in LA and moving out of my house.
2: That sounds so much fun. Yeah, like in Evelyn. I mean, we met her. We met her a couple times. She sounds like a really good roommate. And yeah. I think it's cool how you kind of like both kind of found each other. Like, how, how is it like? What are the chances that you find someone that's moving a week after you from the yeah, East Coast? Yeah.
0: Right, right, right,
1: yeah. I think it's a good point and a tip for those who are moving out to a new city Mm -hmm. especially across the country. If you're going to find a roommate, someone that you feel like you could drive with and then, because the people you meet through them Mm -hmm. will be very good potentials for your own circle. Mm -hmm. I will say that that was a thing I did not think about at all. Like when I went out to San Jose, probably a part of the reason why I really didn't, because I didn't know anyone Mm -hmm. and it was kind of by chance that I reconnected with Kristen in San Francisco but Mm -hmm. outside of her, I didn't make an active effort to like expand my friend group and it kind of happened organically but I think that if you set like that's a big thing that people maybe don't think about, mm-hmm. and I think really changes the dynamic of your experience. Oh, yeah, so. for
2: sure. This is really cool because like I feel like I we don't we don't only really talk much about like our housing experiences like mm-hmm. prior to like on oh, the last four years. So like right now, as you guys are both telling your stories, I'm like pinning the different timelines of both where you guys were at yeah in my head because I was like oh yeah Janet I remember her like the San Jose thing then going to SF and I was like but then I remember Helen I was like oh 2013 like that was only a year before we met yeah so I'm like trying to
0: like place all these things in my head right now but before that's where really our cool. lives intersected exactly and became fully integrated with each other yeah
2: <laughs> question so as someone who like as a transplant moving into like let's say in Los Angeles how did you decide on Little Tokyo and also where did you stay that one week before she came
0: Oh yeah, no, good question. So I actually stayed with my aunt. Okay. So my mom's side of the family lives here, mm. and the reason why I've always been so attracted to California is because we would visit every summer, mm. and I would I'm like palm trees. I want the palm trees in my life, yeah, outside my window. So um, I always knew I wanted to move to California, but Little Tokyo is because Evelyn actually had a friend named John who lived in Arts District, and mm. she said, you know, this is a good spot. It's it's easy, you know, walkable distance to different places if we're not going to get a car right away. And we did look at like Mid-City, West Side, mm-hmm. and Little Tokyo. And I think at the end of the day, it was just pricing. Came yeah. Down pricing. I think we probably paid like, oh, I want to say like thirteen fifty per person Damn, for our two bed, two bath. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. It's probably a lot higher now because yeah. there's been so much gentrification in that area. But, um, but yeah, it just came down to location, proximity to friends mm. and bars and restaurants and shops and things like that.
2: No, it's a prime location. I had one more question. i am always been curious because I think my whole life I lived on the like West, I lived in California my whole life. So moving North out of SoCal is just like a car, a yeah. car with stuff. But then moving from East coast, did you guys like, do you guys get a moving truck? Like what did you, like, how did you how move did you all bring- your stuff? Oh, yeah. What
1: did you bring and how did you get it I over?
0: I think I want to say I only had... Like three suitcases. I need to look back at. Mm. I need. Yeah, I have a photo of when I was leaving my parents' house, and Annie took a photo, and that photo always pops up on Facebook. It's like here's a memory of when you left home. I'm like, oh my god, this is so sad. But I only had one suitcase in that photo. I'm pretty sure I had like two other ones, Mm. and I did not bring obviously like sofa, no furniture or anything like that. It was just clothes. And then you just when I got there, I lived at my aunt's place for a week, and then had to find a place for us and then we just slowly bought furniture. Yeah, it's just packing up your life and moving. I mean, my, my bedroom at home was just like, my childhood frozen mm. in time. So mm. everything was still there and it yeah. is still there. My mom like kept it, everything there just in oh. case I ever moved back. I'm like, mom, you know, I'm never moving back, right? I bought a house <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. My dad's like, I'll buy you a house, move back. I'm like, oh. no, you move here. I'll buy you a <laughs> house.
1: That's true. What's different is I feel like Helen's stuff was like very planned, right? Yeah. Like you're like, you stayed at home, save money, and then you made this really big cross-country move and it was like, everything was thought out and you mm-hmm. had a roommate. I feel like Mel and I were uh, figuring same, it out. same state and then just kind of like, and mm. then doing like six months here, three months here. <laughs> Cause I, I, yeah, I always was just like, I had a thing with San Francisco and I just wanted to be there. And I never thought about like, who do I know there? Am I going to be able to like, you know, I was just fo- so focused on like, I'm going to, you know,
0: work there and I'm mm-hmm. going to live there. And I didn't, I didn't like plan anything yeah. else out. I mean, that was kind of the same for me. I had no friends here. I didn't know anyone here. Mm. Like even I Philip, like we stayed very distant friends um, and so I would, I didn't even think about him as like someone to reach out to mm, when I got yeah, here. Yeah. He was the one to reach out to me. Let me, let me put that on the record. <laughs> yeah. He, he texted me. It was like, Oh, you moved to LA. But I think, you know, it, I was very lucky to have someone like Evelyn who already had some, you know, deep rooting connections, connections with yeah, people here. Yeah. Like she was friends with Dan already. Yeah. So that small really world. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. I actually met Dan from like a college thing way back as mm-hmm. well. So I was like, Oh Dan, good to see you again. Like you're part of this friend group. And then, Yeah, very lucky to have had her as my first roommate. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin.
1: So we've just gone over our first kind of living uh, experiences and situations. What about after that? How many more places have you lived in? And what's your living
2: situation like now? So in San Gabriel Valley was like my first like living as an adult in LA. I actually moved back home to the Bay Area after that because I wanted to save money because I was producing at the time and I could work remotely. But I missed LA. I knew LA after that. After reflecting, I knew LA was a place to be for my career. So I moved back Mm -hmm. down.
0: So you were home for a year?
2: I was home for maybe... Two months and I couldn't do it. Oh, I was like, okay. I
0: <laughs> and you were still working your job at wafu, no,
2: so. Um, after Wang Fu ended so during San Gabriel Valley I was kind of like in my gray transition period so I was interning at this PR agency in downtown LA I was commuting and at the same time I was also working with Eric producing like in mm. tour managing Okay. and so I made the jump when the year ended I was like you know what I don't want to do PR this is not my scene so I talked to Eric he let me work from home like in oh, the Bay okay. area yeah. to save money on rent for like two months Because yeah. I travel a lot for work so just flying out of SFO but after you know doing that for a few months realized it's not the thing for me I need to move back to LA and I want to find my full-time job in LA Mm -hmm. so that's when I connected with some of my college friends um Benson and Christine Mm
0: -hmm. and ended
2: up rooming with them in LA and I it was my and I moved into this like complex called Park La Brea and honestly I was like oh my gosh this is like my first place in the city of LA it was right next to LACMA in like mid-Wilshire area and I felt very like oh shoot like I'm in LA like this is the things Mm -hmm. you see in the movies right um, I felt like I was in a really prime location. I walked to the Grove sometimes. I had a good sunset view, but the reality hit and the rent was freaking expensive. Oof. Like I was jobless, by the way, when I lived here. So i worked out this like deal with my mom and I had to share a bedroom with Christine and mm. it was $750 to share a room, not including utilities. Oof. Wow. Okay. And we shared a bathroom too. because. I obviously didn't make any income. Um, I would say it also sucked because I didn't realize cockroaches were a thing. My (gasps) kitchen was infested with cockroaches. Oh my goodness. And I honestly got used to it. That's just so sad. But like, Mm. we would ask our maintenance people, they'll come in and it didn't do much. Literally, you'll turn (laughs) off the lights, you turn on, you see all the cockroaches scatter away. Like, that was my experience. I mean, my, my, my first la apartment mm. my second place i moved was just a few blocks away because then benson moved out and then my roommate now you've met darlene moved in and I ended up sharing a room with her and christine got her own room but uh that place you know didn't have less cockroaches but i think during the second place i realized i wanted my own space mm-hmm. and what i did was so dar and i shared a room I bought these rods from Walmart or whatever and got these curtains and I kind of like curtain off my section of the room. Yeah. I forgot
0: about that. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: But the thing is our room was oddly shaped. So like I only had like a, like a small area where I slept in. It was like, I don't know how small it was. Maybe like the size of like Helen's bathroom.
0: I'm thinking (laughs) about like um, a hospital situation where (laughs) you close off (laughs) your bed. (laughs) Honestly, it was kind of like that.
2: So, I mean, I didn't have that much space, even though I was still paying like $800 to share that room still um I I would say that you know um I think living in that living in that space I feel like Amy uh Christina kind of grew like living with each other so Dar and I like okay we're gonna start living together by ourselves and so Darlene and I finally found our third place which is the one I've been living at in the past four years that I really loved and I finally got my own bedroom yes I can't describe how much that changed the game for me because I will say like reflecting back you know living my other places I felt this sense of insecurity because I shared a bedroom and honestly when mm. you're dating and like talking to people you're like oh I share a bedroom it's just kind of weird to like mm-hmm. it's just, it just kind of
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's good to disadvantage mm. right so I felt really insecure about that um, but the, the place Dar and I found was super affordable living in L.A. I paid, honestly, I'll just share. I paid eleven fifty for rent. For my own bedroom, a shared bathroom. I had to share the parking spot. And I know freaking A.C. for the two years. And mm-hmm. I don't have a, lot of a washer dryer. But I think for living in L.A., it was pretty affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say I probably love that place the most and I could have stayed there as long as I can. But then Dar and I were just talking about like, oh, what if what if it's like to move somewhere else? And she stumbled upon our new place and we just recently moved in a few months ago. So now I'm in a new apartment or I guess townhouse or condo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a townhouse. It has three floors. Um, but now I live with her and her boyfriend. So I live with a couple, forever third willing. And I have a temporary roommate, Benson, who is my first roommate in my first LA place living with us for a month. Mm. And I feel like we really upgraded. Didn't expect it. I have a two-car garage now. And like Janet mentioned in the intro, I have a freaking washer and dryer. Yes. I used to and I used to tell people like, yo, you know you made in LA when you got a washer and dryer <laughs> unit and a parking in a, a parking spot. So I real I really feel like we definitely upgraded from the past four years. So that was uh my Walkthrough of all my, uh,
0: my my places I lived in, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. what a – it's just such, a, like, a scrappy story, just, yeah. you know, you really, like, starting by living in a random house with this couple yeah. in a bedroom and then sharing a bedroom mm-hmm. for – it's, like, dorm living, because you're sharing a bedroom, but in your adult years, like, yeah. while you're working – um, I commend you for being able, able to do that. I don't know if I would have been able to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was,
1: was going to say that's a testament to how like much you wanted to be in LA. Mm-hmm. That A, when you were... Because I know the struggle of trying to find a place to live when you don't have a job, but mm-hmm. you feel like you need mm-hmm. to be there to get the job. It's a catch-22, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So then you ha- you're, you're like, okay, then I need to, on a budget, find a place to live that's cheap as possible but also i need to be able to withstand the living yeah, conditions yeah. right and that's where it's like you sacrifice and you are like i'm gonna share a room with someone yeah so and also yeah. know
0: you as someone who needs her space like that's yeah, tough. yeah yeah that's
2: tough that's true it's funny because like I feel like looking back though like I think the places that I've moved into transformed as I did too because mm. I think at that time mm. I was like I love being around people oh my god yeah let's yeah, do this yeah. I don't mind sharing a room but now I'm just like no I really need my own space yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. At now but I will say like you know reflecting back on everything it made me appreciate what I have now because I learned how to like kind of like pinch and save on what I can Mm -hmm. and like the amount of space I have now I'm just like oh my god this is so much more than I ever really need yeah so it kind of like put me in check or be more
0: like um grateful for what I have now yeah
2: I love that yeah uh yeah how about you Helen after Little Tokyo what was next
0: yeah well so after Evelyn moved out um she decided to move back to New York after a year of living in Little Tokyo um I stayed at the same place and lived with this other girl for um, another year in the same location. I would say very different living experiences. Mm. But uh, in 2015, I moved out to Santa Monica with another, a different roommate. And even though it was kind of far from downtown LA and areas where all my friends were, I loved living close to the beach. I think especially as an East Coaster, that's mm. the thing yeah, when you're yeah. moving, moving to LA, mm-hmm. you're like, I want to be by the beach. Yeah. I want to be where the sun is. Palm trees, so yeah. It, yeah, palm trees. I know it's like very stereotypical LA, but... I was like in love. And I was only 0.8 miles from the beach. So I would go for runs in the mornings or after work or on weekends and just run from Santa Monica past the pier up north to uh, Pacific Palace Days and back. (sighs) And just like the energy that you get from the people that are there, like being working out, feeling good about themselves, sweating, you know, it was just so nice and so Mm. invigorating for me. So the place that I had was a townhouse and it was pretty spacious. We had a 2.5 bath. Two-bedroom, huge living room, which we never ended up using at all. And I think rent might have been like 1800 per person That's for the location. Yeah, it's, it was really good, especially for Santa Monica and living yeah. pretty close to the beach. Um, and and my roommate and I, we would work out together. We did BBG, the oh Kayla Itzine's BBG. We started <laughs> doing that together. Uh, we went out in Santa Monica, and it was just like a really, really good time. Um, and that went from 2015 to 2017. And then once my lease was up, I was starting to look again for a new roommate, a new location, because Lori moved. I think she moved back home for a little bit. Mm. Um, but during that time, Philip and I we were starting to get more serious too. So I think I might have lived at my aunt's for maybe a week, because I remember that drive from Oof. San Gabriel Valley to downtown was just terrible. Yeah. It was like an hour and a half sometimes. And while I was looking for a place, I think I was looking in like K Town and downtown. Philip was like, "Why don't you just move in with me?" And I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Is this the moment? Are we forced? Are we forcing this too fast?" But um, yeah, I think after a week, he was like, "Yeah, just move in with me." So we we've lived in downtown LA together for four years now. Dang! Which yeah, I have so many good memories in that in that spot. Um, and I, I still remember like when I first moved in there, I was like, Okay, you have nothing on the walls. This is not decorated like, it's like a bachelor
2: I- pad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like,
0: Can I put a hell touch on this? And then he's kinda just like, No, I'm gonna be moving out at some point. Like I wanna keep it as pristine and original as possible. So I was like, Okay, your spot. I must follow what you say. Yeah. So I mean it's it's it was a super nice uh, condo and and we still I said we because we married now, but <laughs> we still own it. And um, now, you know, we just recently moved into a house together that we bought together. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's my living situation.
1: Yeah, and this home that you have, you guys bought, and you totally renovated in like two months, right? Yeah. And I will say, I can definitely see the Helen touch mm-hmm. because I oh, thank you. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I can see the stark difference between the downtown oh. LA condo. Like, no, I mean. Because it was, like, a bachelor pad, right? And to be fair, like, it did change when you moved in because you, like themmed it up a bit mm-hmm. and you, you know, all that kind of stuff. But to some degree, yeah, you were like trying to keep that. That was like his space. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. And this is like truly now both of your spaces. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you, you really like led a lot of the renovation and the style picking and, and all of that. And I can, it feels more Helen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dude. I, I would, I just have to say though, like you walking through your different places. I was like, I didn't realize you lived Philadelphia for four years, first yeah. of all. And Th- thank you for moving that a vase of sticks he had i was like what was that <laughs> um but second when helen talks about santa monica place i actually have really good memories of that place too yeah that's, oh, that's when, when I, you guys were that's yeah. when mel and i like yeah. first started hanging out yeah i think that's why like there's a special like uh, you know you have we had an episode about people places and things and yeah. you have certain memories i think when i talk about like being when i lived in san Gabriel valley i felt very like in a a low place because I didn't find all my friends were back home yeah Helen was my first friends I actually met I made in LA LA, and then Santa Monica was a place we always met up Mm. so there's so many times that Helen's like just come over do your laundry here and then I would sleep over a lot too and then
0: her space was like she's a freaking huge room with this gigantic tv show blast usher on Uh, the biggest closet I've ever had in all my living situations in LA yeah
2: it was a honestly
1: like it was a really good spot. Yeah. Wait, where were you living, though, when you guys were hanging out when she was in Santa Monica?
2: I was in my little, uh, my hospital area. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your little curtained off room. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think that's why, like, I I went, like, I had a small space, but yeah, then I yeah. went going to Helen's. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so big. Yeah, it's so yeah. nice. Yeah. But... The lighting in there, like everything was like really great. Mm-hmm. But so when you moved out, I was like, dang, that's a nice place though. I know. I know. But good reason.
0: Yes. That was a great place to live. What about for you, Jay? After San Jose, oh, I feel yeah. like you've lived in many places. Yeah. So
1: I, I started trying, I actually haven't sat down and logged in everything of where I lived um, Ever actually, so this was an interesting preparation process. So, after San Jose slash San Francisco, I left in 2011. So, I spent like four years there. So, from 2011 to where, and I moved into my current place 2017, over those six years, I moved 14 times. Oh my, so, <laughs> what? So, what? let me do we want to do? Are we ready for the list? I wrote it all down. Do you want to hear it? List? Yeah, okay, so. After San Francisco, this is where I was trying to make my transition into advertising, right? So once I made the decision to apply to the program, I was going to leave San Francisco. But I had two months before the program started. So I came back to Orange County. And you're going to hear Orange County multiple times throughout my list. And thank goodness to my parents who were kind enough to let me just crash their rent free and financially help me out. So after San Francisco, I went to OC back for two months. And then I went to Miami for the program for 10 weeks. After Miami, the plan was to transition to New York, but I hadn't got there yet. So then I went back to Orange County for three months while I was figuring that out. And then I moved to New York for eight months to try to go into advertising and live in New York City. Did not work out made the decision to come back to the Orange County for another six months where I lived. Then I was applying to jobs in advertising, but in LA. Mm-hmm. So before committing, I got a job in Santa Monica and I was commuting from Orange County to Santa Monica <sighs> for about three to six months. And once nice. I knew that that job was going to last for a while, I then subleased and I rented a bedroom out of a home that a woman owned in Santa Monica uh for about six months while I worked down the block so there are two times now where I in in the past uh 40, six years where I rented a bedroom and what I did was I prioritized a location so that the commute was shorter to where I needed to mm-hmm. go for work and I also keep in mind that I did a lot of this transition while I was older so in by, by like late 20s early 30s I'm I craved having my own space and I also wanted like a nicer spot. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was willing, so the, the best setups for me were living with older people Mm -hmm. who like owned their homes or units and Mm -hmm. they were just renting out a bedroom. Um, so and because they had nicer homes located close to where I needed to work but it also made a very awkward social life for me so I Mm. was actually a lot of like I didn't I moved around a lot and I would randomly hang out with people but I never had people over Mm. you know I well sometimes I did when I was dating but (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah but um yeah so I lived with this woman who was like in her 40s um and just rented a bedroom and lived there for six months. And then this is when I then made the decision that I was gonna leave advertising and go into Chinese medicine. While I was preparing for that, I went back to Orange County for two months. Once I applied to Chinese medicine school and figured out where I was going, I went and rented a tiny place in Mid-City. This was near like Carthay Circle or something. So it's probably kind of, Aroundish the area of Disneyland. <laughs> Cathay Circle. Cartha Carthay Circle. It's like um <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of near like the LACMA ish Okay. Area, I'm yeah. thinking
2: about Cathay Pacific the Airlines. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
1: And I ended up living there for I think I signed like a six month six to 12 month lease, but it was in that apartment that I realized that I also was not gonna be able to do Chinese medicine and was gonna to transition to do UX. So I lived there for about, I think like three to six months and then I ended up airbnb being at the place for the remainder while I was making that transition into UX. Uh, and then once I made the transition into UX, I think I might've went back to OC for another two months And then once I landed a job in UX, I came back and I subleased a place in little Tokyo for two months, took over this girl's rent. There was drama that I did not know about until I got into the place. I interviewed her. I was like, I just need this place for a little bit. She's like, yeah, you could just take over my lease with my roommate. It's totally cool. Everything's fine. The moment I transitioned the lease, their faces change. And she was like, this bitch is blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know. Can you, can you send her this message? I found myself in between these two like fighting roommates who did Uh, not get along and I was like I did not sign up for this I just need a room to live in yeah so that was an interesting experience but I was only there for two months and then I ended up uh subleasing a place in the down in arts district where I really liked but took over another girl's lease for six months and then at this point I was like working in UX but like um working in contract jobs so spent six months here six months there and uh when I switched locations the next agency i worked at was closer it was all on the west side so i always was in this dynamic where i loved living uh in downtown but i would have to drive so far for work Mm -hmm. when i was working in ux so then i was like fine i will sublease in santa monica and i I, this is where i rented a room for another six months similar situation but this time it's an older dude who owned a, a very nice condo in santa monica and was renting out a bedroom now i know it sounds shade sounds super shade, but um, I checked out his references. He even was like, if you want to call like other women that I've had live here, because like I just keep a really nice room and people who are like either old, like grad students or Mm -hmm. young working professionals. So I did that and it was nice, but it still felt kind of weird. Like I, like I never felt endangered. It was safe, but it just didn't, I would always just ended up hanging out in my bedroom. Right. So after six months, I was like, ah, I can't do this anymore. I would rather just like do the commute, and live in downtown. So moved back to the Arts District, and this is where I signed a lease and was there for three years before finally stabilizing my UX career, landing a full-time paid position where I was making enough income where I'm like, okay, now I think I'm ready to settle down and purchase. And that's where I then found my place in South Park and moved there and have been there for four years. So Whoa!
2: that's
0: it. Girl, you lost me in New York. <laughs>
2: I didn't realize,
0: like, when we say That's Janice, insane. the transition
2: person, like, uh,
0: dude, 14 <laughs> oh places? Wait, so, so many, like, questions, and I feel like this could be its own, like, podcast episode, but how, what did you bring, like, what was your suitcase box situation to move now from you one guys, place to the other? Now you guys,
1: now you ladies know why I'm such a minimalist, because yeah. after moving that many times, I hate having things clutter up because every time you move you have to clean all that shit right up. right but also to be fair like luckily for me my parents live in orange county so i was able to mm. store any large items but honestly the moment i started moving a lot i just never committed to furniture this is why I always subleasing was better for me because mm. they already had a bed they already had furniture and i just needed a place to crash yeah so that i could be close to work right um and then and then eventually when i would move into my own space i still carry that mentality that i'm never going to be here for a long mm-hmm. time so i, thought, yeah, I never yeah. want to save things and I'm always in the habit of like throwing things away or cleaning shit out yeah yeah Yeah, like moving 14 times in 6 years also means that I was budget conscious so I'm always used to living in tiny spaces my current apartment is 740 square feet it is the largest space that I've lived in besides my parents' home like where I crashed a couple times right but in my own personal space yeah it's a that's
0: I'm used to small spaces. <laughs> wow. For anyone out there who's looking for a location to live in SoCal, mm-hmm. Jen has lived in all of them. <laughs> what's, what's your least favorite location and favorite location?
1: I have to say I didn't like my place in Mid-City.
2: Mm.
1: And this is a per- like here. The perks of being in Mid-City is that you're, you can get anywhere yeah. pretty quickly. West side, east side, right? But I felt landlocked. The thing that Mm. I like about living in downtown is you're close to buildings and mountains. And then when you're in Santa Monica or by the beach on the Mm, west side, you're near the ocean. But when you're just in the middle, I feel like I can't see any natural stuff. So I just feel like I'm just around homes and like suburb homes. So not even like big buildings and things like that. Yeah. I can see that. Being a mid-city person.
0: Yeah. Favorite location?
1: Uh, Arts District, hands down. That is mm. still my favorite location to date. I didn't bu- end up buying out there because I couldn't afford things out there. But I love, I love, love, love the Arts District.
2: I can see that.
1: Wow.
0: Damn. 14. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, New York. Lost me there. <laughs> wow. That is impressive. If anyone needs moving tips, <laughs> hit up Janet. <laughs> yep.
1: hi abgs and abbs it's janet here checking in to see if you've had your annual physical yet i know doctor visits may have been pushed off a bit this past year but now is a good time to make sure you're keeping current on your annual visits if you don't know where to start you can download the free zocdoc app it's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment with zocdoc you can search for local doctors who take your insurance read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or video chat all directly in the app Their database contains primary care physicians, dentists, dermatologists, psychiatrists, eye doctors, and other specialists. Their doctor profiles are my favorite part. They are very detailed with a photo of the doctor, their bio, ratings which detail the average wait time, their bedside manner, and verified patient reviews. If you're someone who likes to research your doctors before booking an appointment, this is a great platform for you. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com ABG and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com A-B-G.
0: So when we were kids, do you remember playing that game MASH? This game where it's yes. written on a piece of paper that showed you who you'd end up with, your occupation, the type of car you'd have, the number of kids, including, you know, and MASH stood for mansion, apartment, shack or shelter or house. Did you both play that as well?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I used to play MASH a lot with friends and with my cousins. I played all the time in elementary school. I feel that was like the first like, Matchmaking thing you yeah. can rely on? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: You put down all the boys you like. hell yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I focus on that, let's be real.
0: <laughs> Do you remember when you were a kid, like what your dream house would look like mm. of the match? Was it a mansion, apartment, shelter, or house?
1: <laughs> I always chose I always wanted a mansion. I feel like most mm-hmm. people wanted that just like, you know, you were like, I want to live in the biggest place, right? Um, and I always dreamed of of living in a mansion with six to eight kids. Oh my! Whoa. <laughs> so, g- g- give me let me give you context because I grew up in the time of watching Full House and Seventh mm-hmm. Heaven, and I always fantasized about what it was like to live in a big community with people that were really close to me, like mm-hmm. a big space and just like always lively and yeah like the home is buzzing with lots of people around obviously i wasn't thinking very practically six to eight kids is you know but i I remember that that was like kind of the dream I always wanted the mansion and I want, the ma- you know, most kids. And actually I think for job, like career or whatever, profession, I like stuff that was like organization-based. So it's like admin or like, oh, like librarian or I don't know. <laughs> like information and organization-based type stuff. And obviously that was back then. I was very fantasy-driven. And fast forward like 20 years and you understand the concepts of everything. Um, I actually went from wanting a big home and lots of kids to just wanting a small space. Mm. And I actually, I thought my ideal situation would be to live in a big city like a metropolitan area have a condo and just me and my partner and then maybe have like one or two kids Mm. that vision has evolved a bit in the last like two years now where now I'm like you know I actually do think I would like to embrace a more suburban area Mm. but still one to two kids but just a bigger space so that I could have family and visitors come but yeah I don't know that was my kind of like the evolution of my mash fantasies (laughs) to
2: reality how about you Mel? surprisingly for my mash like fantasy i think i actually stayed pretty consistent since oh. i was a child um, when i was really young yeah it'd be nice to get the mansion i just didn't want the shack i was like no don't need the shack <laughs> if i landed a house i would be okay with that i was yeah. like yeah that sounds good i think when i was younger all i wanted was a house that was one story with nice decor and i didn't need to have a pool like i don't know why as a kid i just remember like i want what i had growing up like mm-hmm. oh, you I, I didn't yeah, yeah i didn't want stairs because i didn't want to walk <laughs> so so i think good yeah so i always knew so i think as a kid well and i'll go into like what i want now but just wanted a simple one-story house that was nicely decorated i wanted one husband i mean what (laughs) options options? (laughs) with my dream man a husband i just wanted two kids and honestly what I want is still the same yeah so the only difference now is I'm more focused on what I want my house to look like mm. now I know I'm a big fan of big windows and natural lighting because when it's dim I am hella lazy and not productive mm. so I just think it's funny like looking back at like mash and looking at what I want now like even as a kid I knew I didn't want to get married until I was in my 30s mm, and I always wanted wow. only two kids and I never really strayed away from that and I hmm. wanted just a house so I think when it comes to like the family life or a house I didn't really like Focus on that. I was like, I knew I just want a house, and maybe yeah. in the suburbs, and that was it. Like, yeah. I never dreamed about living in the city. Like, maybe it's a, like a, lo- a goal I think about now, but no, I, I still want the same thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the walking up the stairs, very consistent, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. want. That. I, I don't want
2: that. Story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and oh, one thing I want to add, I feel like it's something I appreciate now in a dream house. And it, it was really cool when you go to someone's house in their backyard, like the, the doors open up completely to the backyard. Oh, yeah.
0: Those are expansive, yeah. those doors. Yeah. But that's it. The ones that disappear into the wall, right? Yeah. Oh, those are so expensive. I know, it's so cool. What if a bird flies in? Oh. Okay, I'm going to change my dream. <laughs> we'll see. But how about you, Helen? I think for me, my my dream house was probably... It's hard to say because I think as a kid, you're not really, you don't really see that many houses. It was whenever I was at a nice house or when I played with like like a giant dollhouse that had Mm. many rooms and I'd be like, I want to live in this house. But I think without like social media growing up Mm. and the ability to know what super nice houses look like, you, and only being provided with the environment that you had. For me, I just, when I think about this question, I'm just like, I want to have a tight knit space with my grandparents, parents, and sister. And Mm. like knowing that I would want a loving house mm. wherever it was or whatever it was that I grew up in. And tangibly, I remember thinking I wanted a big yard because my mm. sister and I grew up playing on gravel that was a parking lot in our backyard, which is where I got proposed at. But I always admired like the lush green spaces mm. that my aunts or friends would have living in the suburbs. Mm. So that was the one thing I remember I wanted in a dream, dream home. Um, obviously now as an adult, I know what nice homes look like. And I think... I would love, like, a farmhouse-style clean contemporary home with a huge Mm. backyard and just enough rooms for everyone. Like, I don't Mm. want it to be too big, like, the M in MASH, the mansion. I don't think I want a mansion. Mm. I just want to have a big enough house that everyone has their own room, and I don't have to, like, scream to reach anyone. You know, mm. just big enough where, yeah, everyone has their own room and maybe, like, an office space, and I think mm. that's all I need. And, of course, like, the big backyard so that, ideally, like, our future kids can play there safely and we can ha- house, like, barbecues and whatnot. Mm. Um, but I think the house that we just bought right now, we definitely see it as more of a starter home. Um, it's pretty nice. It's definitely big enough for the two of us and for when we plan to expand. But when we first bought this house, we did say that, this would be a five-year home commitment. And hopefully in the next five years, we'll be at a different financial point in our lives and Mm -hmm. we'll buy a bigger house in a location with a better school district, with a yard. um, And that will be more of what our dream home would be like. Mm -hmm. You know, that maybe will also house like our parents if they want to like be there to help take care of the kids and whatnot. So I think we're working towards that dream house. And this is like a step towards it the house that we're in now it's a big stuff I think it's
1: a huge stuff yeah I could totally I see your aesthetic of that farmhouse but Mm -hmm. like modern and the prioritization of outdoor space to play Mm because you guys have a really nice backyard and I could tell that you put energy into that Mm -hmm. so now it makes sense that that is you prioritize having a good
2: safe outdoor play space yeah Yeah. I just yeah yeah, I see it too like a lush green like very beautiful yeah at the
0: garden but then I want to like take care of it because I know it's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, fake rest, fake rest. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, as women now in our 30s, I'm sure we've all picked up some things here and there about taking care of our finances and making sure we can pay our rent on time. And if we're, you know, have a dream home in mind that we're able to effectively save for that. What are two tips you ladies have picked up along the way
2: that you can share with our listeners? One tip I would say is have a budget sheet where it breaks down your essential costs. And for me, I have that and I fill it out at the end of every month just to make sure I'm not going over my budget. There are some times I do, you know, but it just puts me in check, so I'm like not mm-hmm. overspending what I can. Um, so that way, my second tip is that way when you have an investment account, you could deposit into every month and put a put a decent amount that goes into like your dream, a house or a wedding. So mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I
0: do. Yeah, I would very similar to what Mel just said. Track your spending. So I used Mint for many many years, and that was super helpful because you can just log in all of your credit cards um, and just use your credit cards too for points, obviously. But when you do that, you can kind of just have it organize itself and then at the end of the month you can see what is it that you're spending on and look at like the non-essentials. Are you spending on these non-essential categories and going over your budget? Uh, And my second thing along the same lines, try and follow the 50-20-30 budget rule which states that 50% of your after-tax income can be spent on essentials and obligations that you have or must do like rent, mortgage, insurance, food, utilities and then 20% on savings and debt repayment and 30% for splurging and self-care. Obviously, this might not apply to everyone. I think I probably saved more than I splurged, but everyone's circumstances are different. And if you're looking for a simple rule of thumb, try that one out, the 50-20-30 rule. 50 for needs, 20 for savings, 30 for wants.
1: Mm. These are such great tips. I I wish I... Had you ladies when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. um, my two tips would be if you're renting, uh, this plays into finances as well, but don't commit to a 6 to 12 month lease unless you feel like it is where you want to be. Because mm-hmm. I've been in situations where you lock yourself in and you're not happy and you're it's not worth paying that much. Um, the second tip I would have for anybody who's looking to maybe buy a home for the first time. And especially for our listeners out there, if you're a young working professional and you might be investing in just like a small condo, your first one, um, it can be kind of like overwhelming to figure out like, what can I afford? I think the best rule of thumb is to start by working backwards, which is how much can you afford on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. that you feel comfortable paying that you're like now paying in rent, right? Like what, what is the, think of the max that you're willing to part with. Uh, from your from your paycheck, and then go a little below that. Like always, give yourself buffer because there's going to mm-hmm. be costs that you're not considering, like property tax and um, homeowner's insurance. And of course, as a first, first-time homeowner, you will get some back in taxes, but I wouldn't depend on that when making your calculations. To just be more stress-free, think about how much you're willing to part with on a monthly basis to pay for mortgage, and then go below that, mm-hmm. and then and then calculate backwards. Like what is that total amount then to the total price of a home I should be looking at.
2: Mm. suggestion yes all right helen i know you went through a lot of paperwork and headache going through your first home buying experience can you walk our listeners through what was that like and what else can you share with our listeners for tips on buying their first home
0: yeah it was definitely an eye-opening experience and one that i feel like i got a quick crash course in Mm -hmm. because we started looking at the end of january of this year and we closed on April 1st. So a lot of things happened in that period of time. But a few things that I learned that I would recommend for Home buyers to know or look into, and I think I only have two, but I'll go into details of the two. Um, First is make sure you have consistent employment for two years. Mm. And what I mean by that is that you need at least two years to prove your income or employment history in order to obtain a traditional loan that is close to market rate. So I'll be fully transparent with our listeners out there. I had a good amount of savings that I'd saved up for 10 years working in finance, and I was like so ready to buy my first house. I was like, I got money, let's go. Mm-hmm. And between Philip and I, you know, we are putting in equal amounts from our savings to this house that we're sharing. And it turned out that because I quit my job in March of 2020, which was less than 2 years ago, I had switched from a W2 to self-employment, and I was not eligible to apply for a traditional loan. So, with our house, we did a 20% down payment and you take out a loan for the remaining 80%, which is your mortgage, right? I couldn't co-sign that loan for the 80% mortgage with Philip because I had only 1 year of current employment status. Mm-hmm. So that was like a huge shocker for me and the down payment had to all come out of Philips Bank account, Damn. which I swear was not intentional, okay? <laughs> so basically, I mean, I'm paying for all of like the home renovations and mortgage payment and whatnot. It's definitely equaled out by now, mm-hmm. but we, and we do keep track of our finances, and we have a joint account together now. But that was one lesson that I had not heard anyone talk about before. Mm-hmm. So make sure that if you're about to buy a house, you have two years of consistent employment status, whatever it is. Another thing that we learned is that Flipping a house is a very good option if you have the time and the ability to pay your renovation costs up front. Obviously, you could take a loan out for your renovations, but it is best if you can just pay all that up front. So for us, we were looking for turnkey homes, which are newly renovated homes. And honestly, like this post-pandemic housing market is just insane right now, as I'm sure you all know out there. On average, I look this up, the housing prices in the U.S. increased 13%, mm. and in California, it increased about 30%. Oh. And that's an in- increase if you're looking at... So the median price for homes in California increased from 626000 to $819,000. That is a lot of freaking money in a year. That's a mm-hmm. huge difference. So pricing is, in- is insane, but because supply is limited and demand is super high right now, Like for us, when we were looking at homes, we honestly had less than a week to put in an offer for these homes or else they'd be gone and off the market. It all just like went by so, so fast and we had absolutely no time to think about our decision. So we decided to try and start looking at some older homes Mm -hmm. because another thing is that what we saw in these turnkey homes is that with the current inventory of new homes, a lot of times very cheap material is being used. Because everyone wants the aesthetic of a new, clean, contemporary-looking home. And I feel like the styles of homes have changed drastically just within like the past, what, like, five or ten years? Mm-hmm. So these these builders are sort of putting in the, the cheapest, best-looking materials that are hollow, not well-built, if you look into the details of it. Not saying that that happens all the time, but looking at the houses that we looked at, that was the like the case for a lot of the homes that mm. are quick, fast, turnkey homes. I
2: feel like you have so much insight. Like, can you give us an example of what is uh, these cheap materials versus like a good material?
0: Yeah, I mean, one example is just like doors, right? Mm. If you knock on one of like, the doors there's a difference between hollow doors and solid doors. Mm. So the doors might have like no soundproofing or it just might be a hollow door, but it's a door, right? From the outside. If you honestly only have like 20 minutes to look at a house, which is like the house viewing, and Mm. then you have to make a decision within a week, it's like, oh yeah, there's a door. It's great. But then you start using it and it's just like, why can I hear everything? Yeah. Or even like- Walls? Yeah, the walls being super thin and like the drywall being just very- Because so the thing that we noticed with our current home, which is a 1950 or 60s home, is that the drywall had like an additional layer of concrete, had an additional layer of like metal mesh that make it made it like super sturdy Mm. versus now with the new homes. It's just like a piece of drywall. So super thin, Mm. easy to to wear down. Um, But you can't see that stuff, right? Because from from the naked eye, it's just like a wall is a wall. Yeah. But it's, you know, the question of what is in the foundation of this home and is it actually built well? And that you can't see.
2: That's sneaky.
0: It is. It is. Yeah. So that's why once we started getting um, insight to what materials were being used to build these new homes and and our real estate agent and friend, Mike, he had a lot of insight to this Mm. too. So he'd be like, look at these windows. Like they're not even closing well, or, you know, it's just like little things that are not put it. It was clearly haphazardly put together Mm. just to make it aesthetically look pleasing. So once we started to notice that, we decided, okay, let's go for like a 1950s, 60s, 70s home and work on just flipping it. Mm. And honestly, Philip and I did not have the experience nor the time, but we just decided to go for it. Um, and luckily, our friend, friend real estate agent Mike had a really good contractor, whom we're honestly so thankful for. A good contractor does make a big difference in your flipping experience, and. Yeah. Now, a few months later, we, you know, love our home and it looks so different from when we first walked in here. It looks like a home that we would have paid that top dollar for.
2: Mm.
0: Would you say you'd save more money flipping a house than buying a turnkey home? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Because for sure, we've added on a couple of probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to the value of this home Mm. versus how much we put into the, the flipping of the home oh, so
2: interesting because i think sometimes like as someone who's not really into like the not aware of the home buying process that people always think like oh contractors like flipping your home or like renovating is so expensive yeah like, it is but like compared to buying a freshly made you don't know how the quality of the home is right
0: yeah you don't know the quality and i think our real estate agent also said that it, there's like a 20 percent markup once it is a flipped home from how much you paid for it previously, mm. so it's a pretty it's a pretty good deal. But obviously, it does take a lot of time and a lot of energy. Yeah, and to be honest, it's hard. <laughs> but but it's like once you get through that experience and get to the end of that road, it's you you'll be glad that you did it.
2: Yes, and I will. Sorry, I have all these questions for you actually Yeah. I feel like Helen's my, like a lot of my friends are buying houses, but Helen's like my close friend that I'm seeing her day to day of like her process of buying a home, renovating a home. But I think when you guys found this place, you had to act really fast. Like there wasn't like a week to decide, like, no, we got to know now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it was a little too fast because I think right when we had decided we're going to start looking at older homes, this was like the second home that we saw that was a little bit older. And I didn't have like the vision for what it could look like and i was only 70% into buying this house and it's like this is the biggest purchase of my freaking life and yeah. the 10 years of working and everything i've been saving up for is this really going to be it you know and it, it has to be like I can't buy two homes right now at once yeah. so philip was like all in and we actually had a conversation the night before we made the decision which was only like 5 days after we looked at the house mm-hmm. and philip was like this is it i'm like no I, I can't do this one i need to see a few more see what the market is like I mean, give us like another, at least like five homes to look at, but mm. just given how fast things are being picked up right now, I think he just had that instinct of like, this is a good foundation. You know, we're not close to neighbors. There's a lot of privacy, a lot of safety, and it is just a good, you know, starter home and we're going to only be here for five years is what he told me. So I was like, ah, fine. And then I went with it and at first I was reluctant, but now it's like, okay, fuck, you are right. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> like, I remember um, Helen coming back to Jan and I, she was like, y'all, look at this place. And it was... She took a photo of the different rooms, and all the different rooms have different, like, colored carpet. Oh, and, it was so
0: ugly. And I was
2: like, "Oh, Really? But I think the fact that you guys had foresight, and, like, if we flipped it, it looked like this. And now we're walking in, like, it smells like a new home. Everything's <laughs> beautiful. So it was... It, I think it was a good decision you guys made. Yeah. Also, I need to share that. Flipping this home was not an easy task. Like, mm. when Helen said her and Phil were not, like... Ready for it? Like the things, the little nook, the littlest detail you had to know, it kind of blew my mind. Like what doorknob or what what wiring? These little things you just had to like kind of research on the spot when your
0: contract would ask you, right? Yeah.
2: I think this is the stuff that I didn't know you had to go through as as someone who's flipping their house.
0: Yeah, I think you have to really have a vision for what you want yeah. in your space. And what happens first is always electricity and plumbing. So even for our kitchen, when you have like the walls completely off, you're like, okay, where do you want to put your light switches? Where do you want to put your lights? Where do you if you want a pot filler, yeah. like do you want to, you know, get piping water into this area? Cause that's gonna cost more money. So you have to have that full vision of what you want in each room mm-hmm. before even like sitting down and, and like designing it. And I thought that was that was tough for me because I was like, okay, well, do mm. everything first and then let me see what it looks like and then I will pick things out. But it's like, no, where are your bed? If you want bedroom wall sconces, how big is your bed going to be? Is it a queen size? Is it a king size? Where do you want to position the sconce? How high is your bed going to be? And it's like, I don't even have a bed yet. I don't know. Yeah, you, know? Yeah, but yeah. you just have to like think about all this stuff beforehand. So that was probably the most difficult part because mm. we did not have designers help us out. Um, and we just kind of had to wing it.
2: Yeah. Oh, another tip that I feel like I gained as like, you know, an onlooker or an observer of you purchasing your home is that once you guys locked in and bought your place and that you guys said, let's get the contractors in ASAP because you don't want to be, because you're spending money still, like not moving to your new house. If it's like,
0: you need something to renovate it, right? Yeah. Ideally it was because we're paying two mortgages now for our, condo in downtown LA and this house so ideally you move in as fast as possible to this new house and rent out your our condo mm-hmm. so that's what we were trying to rush forward with yeah and paying double mortgage is not that easy y'all. yeah
2: yeah for sure
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I could probably like go on and on about all the things I learned I think the points I gave were only like two or three points but I'm not going to take up this whole episode by talking about this. If anyone out there is interested in hearing more content like this, let us know in the comments of our IG post for this episode, and maybe we'll consider doing more tips about first-time home buying. I mean, Janet's a first-time home buyer too, um, and we can have another episode on that.
1: Well, that was fun reflecting back on all the places that we've lived. I felt like we just like did a jog down memory lane from <laughs> from everyone's like
2: different
0: living situations.
2: Yeah. I feel like I learned about the lives you had before ABG yeah. through this
0: episode, actually. Yeah. And I think also just for anyone out there who is curious about what it's like to move to LA, mm-hmm. the living situations, where best to live, who to ask, Janet, about living locations. Like hopefully this was a good overview for any of you out there that's looking to move to LA. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: We do have a couple shoutouts shout outs for this
2: episode. To Dorji from Zana, looking forward to our next endeavors. To Q from Fu from Australia, thanks for being a great girlfriend and always being so supportive. To Keisha from Victoria from Chicago, I know work's been a little crazy lately, but you're handling it with such grace and doing such an amazing job. Love ya. And lastly, to Megumi from Camila from Peru, happy birthday, Megumi, wishing you the best.
0: If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. We will catch you guys on the next one. Bye.
2: Bye!